By the grace of God, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or stone, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring, bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Thank you, Mr. Tony. Again, it's good to be with you guys today. We're going to start off with some prayer before we dive into the Word. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're a good God. Lord, you are asking us to build something here. Lord, you're asking us to build something inside of us, to be formed, to be closer to who you would have us be as your children. Lord, I pray that as we encounter you through your word, Lord, that your spirit speaks uh, to each of us individually, but Lord, also to our households and to our church as a whole. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. Well, we're starting a new sermon series today called Formed by God. And it's come through a lot of prayer through both the elders and the management team and staff of who God is calling us to be as a church in 2022. So we're going we're gonna to nail some stuff, not literally, I mean, I could probably nail something on the board up here, but we're going to nail some stuff to the board of where we want to go as a church this year, how we want to change, how we want to be more like Jesus than when we started. But before we get there, we've got to lay some groundwork, and that's going to start with our epistle reading, which came from uh, the church in Corinth. So First and Second Corinthians were letters written to early church plants that Paul, the apostle, had started. And as they grew, like any church, they, they kind of had some uh, challenges along the way. Uh, and one of the big challenges that the church in Corinth was dealing with was they had some massive divisions on how they thought they were supposed to follow Jesus. And those divisions came in the form of Paul and another church planter, Apollos. And people got into these divisions. They got into these tribes of like, oh, no, 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 no. Paul's the better Jesus guy. Oh, no, 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 no. Apollos is the G better Jesus guy. And they would go on and on. And these divisions were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And we still see stuff like that today, right? That's why we have Acts Church Leander, First Baptist, First Presbyterian, Second Presbyterian, right? We are really good at dividing ourselves within the church, within the family of God. And God works in spite of that. God works sometimes through that, right? Each church has their own flavor, their own emphasis. And, and that's what was going on in the church of Corinth. But Paul drops a hammer pretty quick on whether it's an us versus them mentality and where the true foundation of any Christian church is going to be. And so he tells them this, by the grace of God, Paul says, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. So Paul got there first, Apollos shows up and starts teaching after Paul, and he's like, hey, we're on the same team, this is the same foundation, the same building, but each one should build with care, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. This is huge. Because your salvation 
rests on Christ alone. This was Luther's big thing. Grace alone, Christ alone, faith alone. We, we don't build a stairway to heaven. Our works do not get us salvation, which is good. Because at the best of times, our works tend to be pretty fail. It, it's not something that I feel comfortable, even as a pastor, standing on. It's one of the reasons why I actually believe in infant baptism. Because if you were going to ask me, Josh, would you rather have your faith secured in how, hold, how tightly you can hold to God or how tightly God can hold to you? Think about that for a second. If, if, if your faith is going to rest on me holding to God, even when those dots start to creep in, even when the storm starts to hit, even when it's so easy to forget, right? If that's where my faith rests in, how strong I can hold to him, or vice versa, how strong he's holding on to me. Oh, give me that second option any day of the week. And that's what Paul says, right? Your salvation, Christ alone, no other foundation. As Christians, do we find our faith? Amen, hallelujah, that's how we get to heaven. There isn't a but, but there is a monstrous and at the end of that, though, because that's not where Paul ends. He goes on. This is what he says. So if anyone builds on this foundation, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood or hay or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, and he's talking about the end of times, when we all go to Christ for account, it will bring it to light, and it will, rebuild, and it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he's built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through flames. Okay, there's a lot going on here, right? This is a pretty heavy text. What Paul is saying to the church is, y'all, your salvation is through Christ alone. That is the foundation of who you are as children of God, but... Or and, and again, big and here. You all have work to do in being formed by God. You're going to build your faith on that foundation. You're going to live your life. You're going to learn what it looks like to be a follower of Christ and not just learn about it, but act through it and act on it. And he says, and that's going to be tested. That's going to be refined. Right? That's what we do with precious minerals, right? Copper, silver, gold. We pull it from the ground and then we use fire to refine it to get the stuff that's off. And he says, y'all, everything we do here on earth, it matters. Who we are formed to be, how we act as disciples of Christ, how we are formed as disciples of Christ. It's going to be tested. And the cool thing is it's paid into eternity. What we do here, what we start here, the good, the stuff that will make it into eternity, that withstands the refiner's fire, that gets purified, that gets paid into eternity. And then the junk, the muck, and we all got junk and muck, right? That that's going to be burned away. And then he ends by saying, y'all, look, like even if everything else is burned away, if you're standing in the foundation of Christ, you're still saved, but it's a little ominous the builder will suffer loss, 
yet will he be saved, yet only as one escaping through flames. That's, that's heavy. And yet their promise is there too. That the good that we do, that how we are formed by God, gets paid into eternity and he wants us to start now. This comes from Ephesians. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ might be built up. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The reason why I bring it up now is it ties directly into where we are going as a church. And so you are going to hear three words a lot over the next year. Equip, send, bless. Because we believe that the church's responsibility is to help with that building, that building on that foundation of Christ. So yes, we teach Christ. We proclaim Christ. You will hear forgiveness of sins over and over and over again because we all need that reset. We all need that cleanness. But literally, Scripture says that the body of Christ, that the teachers, the pastors, the leaders are here to equip you, to build you up. And so our nomenclature, our vocab for that is equipping, but not just equipping for equipping's sake, not just to do a Bible study so you know more about Jesus. No, because we believe if you are equipped, then you are sent. That wherever you go, at work, when your neighbors mow the lawn at 7 a.m., even on Spring Forward Day, right? When you're driving, when you're in class, that you are sent, that you are a disciple of Christ there, and that through that sending, and because you're equipped, you will be a blessing to that community. That just like everywhere Jesus went, things got better, everywhere you go, things will get better. And so we are literally retooling our entire church around these three categories. Equipping, sending, blessing. Everything we do is going to be falling under one of these. And what you're going to see is they become secular. The equipping leads to the sending. The sending leads to a blessing. And then as you're out in the world, you're going to realize, wow, I'm woefully unprepared for some of this stuff. I better go back and get better equipped, which will then help you be better sent, which will then help you be a better blessing, which will then build on that foundation of what God is trying to do, who he showed himself to be in Christ, and that body of Christ, the temple that he's created us to be, how we reflect him better, how we show him better, how we're formed by him. So the question is, how do we do that? What, what does that look like? Because what I would love to say, I would love it if I was in control of it. Just not uh, from an egotistical standpoint, but from a, hey, I want to do this well, and I wish it could be, Josh is going to preach this perfect sermon. We're going to get the perfect sermon series that is going to fix every problem in your life. It's going to form you perfectly like Jesus. I've got Pastor Goodwill out there. He's been preaching a lot longer than I have. Have you ever preached the perfect sermons? It's, it doesn't exist. Right? I wish it existed. Every pastor wished it existed. If I could just do, hit the mark, right? Or no, it's, it's the right Bible study you got to go to, right? I, I wish I could put in this perfect one-time event or series of events that was going to execute perfectly. But that's not how we're built. And that's not what Scripture teaches. Instead, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, God describes what it looks like to follow him. 
This is what Jesus says to his disciples. Then he said, Jesus said to the crowd, if any one of you wants to be my follower, my disciple, my pupil, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Christ looks out to the crowd. He says, you all want to be my disciple. You want to follow me. You want to know what that looks like. You got to put down your own old ways of thinking, old ways of living. Take up your cross, which is a external thing, right? Sometimes we think about the cross as like, okay, this is the God, the burden God has placed in my life for me. That's not what the cross is about. The cross is about what Jesus did for other people, right? Yes, it was his burden, but it was his burden for humanity. It was an outward-looking sacrifice. Whoever wants to be my disciple, give up your own way, take up your cross, and then there's this word there, daily. It's not a one-time event. You know, I, I love superhero movies. I love action movies, right, where there's that one big sacrifice that a character makes. I'll jump in front of a bus for you. I'll take a bullet for you. What Jesus says is, no, it's a daily practice. It's not about jumping in front of a bullet for someone. It's about taking out the trash every week. Even when you really wish your spouse would do it daily. It's about saying hi to your neighbor. Even when you're coming home from work and you're exhausted and you're grumpy daily. It's not a one-time event. It's something that goes on and on and on, right? It's not the mountaintop experiences. Again, I wish that was it. And the mountaintop experiences are cool. They can be refreshing. They can be restoring. NYG, the National Youth Gathering, is going to be a mountaintop experience for our youth. Those are good things, but they do not sustain your faith. This is how the Old Testament talks about it. Oh, sorry. Uh, We'll get to that. Eh, I'm going to come back to this. This is from uh, Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Lord, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now, we want that. Right? We want to have that kind of faith. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. And bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. Do you, do you see what it's prescribing here? Daily doing these things, reflecting on these things, celebrating these things, teaching these things, and not just to you as an individual, but to the whole family, to be in a rhythm, to be in a habit that is constantly remembering and celebrating and acting on the God that they have. That's how we're formed. Not in the mountaintops. Not just in the valleys. But in the regular rhythms of our life. Which then brings us back to that quote, every action... Every action taken is a vote for the person you want to become. No single instance will transform your belief, but as the votes build up, so does your new identity. 
we know this. If you want to get healthy, if you want to get fit, is it about getting the perfect gym equipment, getting really psyched, and then being like, all right, today I'm going to work out my hardest, and you just do a four-hour workout. You just crush yourself, right? The next day, are you fit yet? No. You're, you're, you're sore, all right? You're, you're probably prostate. Just, oh my gosh, I can't move. That's not how you get healthy. If you say, I want to go on a diet, you don't say, all right, today I'm going to eat nothing but greens. I'm going to have a smoothie for lunch, and I'm going to drink my 128 ounces of water. And now I am healthy. No, that's not how this works. It is in the trenches, the day in, the day out actions that we take, those little things that as we do over and over and over again, it creates something new in us. It forms us. It shapes us. And it doesn't happen overnight, but as we look back over three months, as we look back over six months, as we look in the mirror, or if we're trying to get a new skill, writing or drawing, or doing math, whatever it is, as we see time expand, those votes cumulatively add up and they start to change us. And y'all, and y'all that, that's my heart for this church. That each and every family is more like Jesus at the end than they were in the beginning. That if nothing else, if you move, you go to a new church for whatever reason, my hope, my prayer, my bar, is whether or not you're more like Christ. You reflect him, you know him, you believe in him, and you act accordingly. That's the win. That's it. If we're not doing that, according to Ephesians chapter 4, we're missing the boat. So if that's, if, if, if that's what that looks like, what does this mean for us? Well, we've got two big goals in 2022. An external and an internal. Right? And the external is a little bit easier to track because it's not about us. We've got community partners. Three big ones. Acts of Love, Baghdad Elementary School, and a mission church in Costa Rica. And we are tying our victory to their victory and saying, if you hit your goals, we're going to consider that a win. So what can we do to help you? And we actually have a really big victory that we're going to get to celebrate in just a couple of days or a couple of weeks. April 4th, Acts of Love is reopening. Y'all, this is huge. This is Team Jesus. Celebrate. You know, we've, we've banished the logistics of leg, uh, legislation right, to get this back and opening where teen moms in the Leander uh, School District are going to be able to have free childcare so they can graduate high school. This is massive coming out of COVID. We've been praying for this. They have their, teach, their first teacher ready. They're excited. This is Marta. Uh, she is the new director of Acts of Love, and I was there praying with her this Wednesday, and she's like, can we take a picture of this? Because this, this is her heart. This is her passion. The future of the world is in this room. Amen. That is what we want to celebrate. That is what we want to see. April 3rd, the Sunday before, we're actually going to have a benediction and blessing with Acts of Love. As long as it's nice, we're going to literally go there after our second service and just pray with Marta and bless that space. We're going to come with gifts and just celebrate with them. 
because we want to be good partners to acts of love. And we want to figure out, Baghdad Elementary School, what are you shooting for? And how can we help you hit that? Costa Rica, what are you shooting for? And how, how do we hit that? We know what our external goal is. The internal goal was a little bit more challenging, though. Because again, I am preset to start with goals of like, okay, we're going to bring in this new staff member, or we're going to start this new programming. Right? That, most churches do that. It's not bad. But through prayer, through conviction, through conversation, and through reflection on my life and the life of the church, what I realized was those goals don't really change households. New programming doesn't fix something. Right? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's the small, it's the ins and the outs of our daily life. And so that led to this. Every household having one new spiritual rhythm or habit by the end of the year. If we truly believe, Christ, that we are molded through the daily actions, through the daily following, laying down our own life and learning to follow his way, if we really believe Deuteronomy, where it says households are called to do this together, then how the church can best support our households is by finding ways to model and celebrate and to champion different rhythms that form us in the day-to-day -day grind. And household, by the way, Okay, we've got a lot of young families at this church, right? That's probably our largest demographic. We are not saying a household is mom, dad, and four kids, right? All of us have households. I was single until I was 33 years old. So I was a single household, but it was a household, and God wanted me to follow him and have rhythms in that. Maybe you're like Erica and I, married, no kids. We are a household. Maybe you've got eight kids. You are definitely a household, Maybe you're empty nesters. Whatever it is, whatever stage of life you are in, we as a church want to help equip you to find at least one new spiritual rhythm that you can practice together, not just individually, but together that that can form and shape you. We want to be able to celebrate what Jesus is already doing, because y'all already have rhythms. You already have spiritual disciplines. Do you know how I know that? Because you're either on this live stream or you're here in person. Right? This is a habit. This is a discipline. This is a rhythm that we get into that helps form us. But church on Sunday morning, one hour a week, is not going to be enough. Is not enough. Y'all have other rhythms, other habits that you're already doing, and we want to data mine them. We want to celebrate them. We want to know what that looks like for a young married couple. We want to know what that looks like for our grandparents. What rhythms have already sustained you to get you this far, not only to celebrate it, but to also model it to others. That other families can look and realize, oh, wait, no, no, no. What Pastor Josh and his wife are doing, that's not going to work for us. Different stage of life. But maybe what the Van Horns are doing, that might work. Or we might be able to adapt... What the Gaetans are doing, or it may spark a brand new idea. But we as a church want to start to model and highlight and celebrate what Jesus is already doing, that we as the body of Christ can share 
best practices, best ideas, and then at the end of the year, could you imagine what it would look like if every single household in this church, yours included, if all of us had one new spiritual rhythm that we were regularly practicing, that was regularly forming us, Maybe you want to be super ambitious and you're like, we want five. Awesome. Praise Jesus. We'll start with one, but five sounds great. What happens? How does it change us? How does it mold us? How does this form us? That at the end of this year, we can celebrate this is what Jesus has done through the regular rhythms of our life. Y'all, that gets me excited. That gets me hyped. And so we're going to start celebrating those rhythms. You're going to start seeing it not just from me as pastor, not just from staff, but from everyday members of our church, highlighting it, celebrating it, testifying and giving witness to how it's actually changing us and forming us. But as we talked about at staff this week, we also want to live this. We want to model this. So this isn't just about an external, y'all need to do this. We as staff, we as leaders, certainly me as pastor, me and Erica, we want to live this out too. So I want to share with you one rhythm of what this can look like. And as I got permission from my wife to share this, she's like, that's great. We've got this thing, but we have to do something new as the year goes on. We want to add something, right? So this is not the end all be all, but here's one simple rhythm that my wife and I do, right? So we have two pups. Uh, And we found that these dogs, if they do not get walked in the morning, our life, we both work from home, gets very complicated very quick, right? They start chewing everything. They're all up in our business. And so we learned early on with these two dogs, we got to get them for a walk. And most of you guys have been to our uh, little land or little property. Our block is one big circle. It's about 0.8 miles. And so we started taking them for a walk every morning. And so we're walking around. And normally we're both still kind of waking up. Uh, But about six months ago, maybe a year ago, it's COVID, so time didn't exist. Uh, We're walking around the block, and we're talking through our day, and we're getting to the end, and Erica stopped, and she prayed for me, because I was having kind of a rough day, and I was kind of looking at some challenging things. She's like, let's just pray about it real quick. And it was awesome. And then what we started doing was we would share our day as we're walking around the block, but now we end every walk by praying over each other's day. And so she has a meeting she's worried about, or if if, if I'm struggling with a sermon, or whatever it is, I pray for her, and she prays for me. And about five out of seven days a week, we do this. To the point where we covet it now. When we don't get those days, we miss it. We might go for a walk around a lunch, right? So sometimes we're groggy, and like, it's cold. Yesterday was like 28 degrees in the morning. We're like, no, we're not doing it, right? But we coveted enough that we're like, no, I, I need that time. I want that prayer. I want to know what's going on in my life's wife, and I want to be able to pray for it. Simple. Easy. And yet it's shaping our marriage, and it's drawing us closer to each other, and it's drawing us closer to Christ. And that's not going to work for everybody. A lot of you don't have dogs. A lot of you have kids. You're like, no, we're not going to go for a walk around the block at 7 a.m. That's just horrible. What's wrong with you? Right? That's fine. It's not going to work for everyone. We're going to find and celebrate and highlight what might work for your family in the families around our area. Our hope, our passion, our prayer. Our goal is that every family has one new one by the end of the year. And my belief as pastors, if we do that, you 
And in the words of Peter, the first witnessing, and your children and your family, for all who are far off, will be closer to Christ. And y'all, that is something to celebrate. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to give you this year. Lord, we're, we're already two months in, but Lord, as we look through 2022, Lord, I, I, I pray for the households in this church. Lord, uh, the elders were, were looking at literally dividing all the, the, the families up, all the households up, that we can know who they are. But Lord, we have 80 households in this congregation. Lord, and they are a variety of shapes and sizes. Lord, I pray over every single one of them. Lord, that at the end of this year, Lord, that we can each have a new habit, a new rhythm that is forming us and shaping us in your image. Lord, that every member of our family can be drawn closer to you. Lord, he says, all in your son's precious name. Amen. We continue with worship. <laughs>